Hello and welcome to Special Parents Confidential, Episode 51. I'm John Pellegrini, and in this episode, we're going to learn about the Michigan Alliance for Families and parent training and information centers that exist around the United States that help parents of special needs kids. Now, we all know trying to negotiate a special education IEP or 504 for your child is extremely difficult. Books have been written, study guides, blogs, you name it. There are dozens of advocacy services and businesses and legal firms that specialize in handling this stuff in almost every state. But did you know that some of the best help for negotiating special education services is available for free from your own state government? Every state has what's known as a Parent Information and Training Center that offers help in everything from early intervention to writing an IEP to legal support, transitioning issues, and anything else you can think of when it comes to negotiating special education. Now, in Michigan, the Parent Center is called the Michigan Alliance for Families. They offer parent mentors, and these are parents of special needs kids who have been trained to coach other parents of special needs kids to work with the school districts and get the kind of services their children need. And our guest for this episode is Kelly Urgenski, who is the executive director of the Michigan Alliance for Families. Kelly, how did the Michigan Alliance for Families get started? Well, truthfully, it was my friend Sandy Kosky and I um, in her basement. We knew that a parent grant was coming up, and we had some had some success of writing another grant, an Everyone Together grant out of the um, Developmental Disability Council. And we thought, well, we had a success with one, let's write another. We were young and naive, and it was a good thing we were young and naive. We had met a cadre of other parents through the Everyone Together grant, um, Karen Pack-Ivy and Michelle Miller and um, Emily. We'd, we'd met people, and we thought, well, let's, let's put this together. So literally Sandy and I in her basement um, said, what do parents of kids with, with special needs disabilities need? And we kind of thought, you know, we know because we're all parents of children with disabilities, it's a, it's a um, fluid system. You know, depending on what's going on with your kid's life depends on how, what that looks like. So we wrote the grant and we pulled in people that we knew, not only other parents of children with disabilities, but also um, Don Hoyle was the current director of the ARC Michigan, and he was well connected with the other agencies. And so we brought people on and say, hey, we've got this vision, and what do you think? And so we, we formed the alliance, and we submitted the first grant was the Michigan Department of Education Office of, of Special Education for their pr- parent training grant, and we got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were like, great. And so we, we, um, we were housed out of the ARC. They were our, they were, um, our flow-through fiduciary, mm-hmm. and we started with five of us, and I believe we did such good work. Then the federal money came up for the Parent Training Information Center, and we applied for the federal money, and we got that money, too. Wow. So we've been around for about 10 years, but it literally started with my friend and I in her basement and knowing people, other parents of children with disabilities, what do we need, how do we start forming infrastructure in the state of Michigan to support each other. That's that's amazing. That's wonderful. Now, the the work that the Michigan Alliance does focuses a lot on family involvement in their children's education process, as we'd expect. How important is it for families to get involved with the schools and their children's education? Yep, there's about 50 years of research um, that probably more, but 50 years of research that we found that supports um, family involvement and um, outcomes for the children's um, education. Truthfully, John, when we started, when we really started looking, there was really nothing out there. There was no um, data search that we could find specifically around chil- of parents of children with disabilities because we're a small, 
segment of the population. Right. So we said, well, let's start looking for the next biggest one. And when you look at all the data and information and research around parent involvement and um, outcomes for children, um, well, any kid's outcome in education, it is overwhelmingly the more parent involvement you have, the better outcomes you have for kids in terms of graduation, staying in school, um, um, life, you know, reaching life goals. So we really kind of built the foundation around parent engagement around all good practices of parent engagement, both the um, national PTA model and also um, Epstein's model of parent engagement. There's six steps in each of them, and we kind of put them together and said, this is what it looks like when we have for good outcomes for parents and how they can do that. That's great. Now, you offer uh, families the chance to meet with parent mentors and work with parent mentors, too. Now, uh, I suppose the big thing is we should explain what parent mentors are and how this whole process works. Sure, sure. Parent mentors, as I said, everyone that works for Mission Alliance for Families is their parent or a family member of a child with a disability who's Hmm. been through at least one system. So it could be special education only, but it could be early on in special education or special education in the juvenile justice system or special education and um, the foster care system. So we have lots of diff- some system knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the parent mentors are hired. They are part, you know, we don't, we, um, they're paid for the work that they do. And they live locally because we had had, all of us had had experience that, particularly when my son was small, we were in Ohio at the time, although I'm Michigan born and bred, we spent a little bit of time over the border. Right. And I would go to Columbus and hear great people speak and then come back to my local community and they would look at me like I had, you know, I didn't know I was speaking of. And I've heard, you know, wonderful people speak. So when we put the model together, we said, we're going to look for parent mentors, parents who live and work in the community, parents who know who the special ed director is. They know how transition looks like. They know who, if you, if you need a dentist for a kid, who's the dentist out there that serves child care, that serves families. We really wanted to have that local connection. So our parent mentors, um, we put an ad in the newspaper. I suppose it's not the newspaper anymore, but we put it online. Right. And we, you know, interview and hire them looking for skills, you know, independent workers, um, parent of a child with a disability, how well they're connected in their um, community. And so we want parents to get the information the closest to their community they could. Ideally, we would have loved to have a parent mentor in every county, but the funding wasn't there. Right. And so we, the, the parent mentors are divided geographically, um, kind of based on 4,000 or more IEPs. But, you know, not everyone needs a parent mentor. But if they called the 800 number, they would get the closest parent mentor to their community. Right. Right. That's good. Now, um Obviously, we talked a bit about how you choose who becomes a parent mentor, but what is their, what is their training like? Sure. Um, so there is the, you know, the training in terms of how we do business. We have a, a manual about all the, you know, the ins and outs of the business. But then it's really about a, sometimes an eight to ten week training around um, the topics. So we have we have lot, you know, um, positive behavior support, in, um, independent education evaluations extended school year, obviously IEPs and the components of IEPs. And we really take them through not only all our webinars, we, there's um, lots of information out there where they can do some self-assessments and self-quizzes. There's, a, there's steps around just kind of gaining that basic knowledge. They also have training around um, fielding phone calls because most of the time parents come through um, the 800 number to them. So, you know, how do you, um, when you get a phone call, how do you help parents um, get get the information resources they need. How do you know if we need to meet with them? 
you know, they, they really work through lots of scenarios, so they're very competent when parents call them. They're able to access the information and get it to parents and help them as quickly as possible. Now, for some parents, uh, you know, the big deal and the big uh, reason why people call for help, obviously, is the whole IEP process in school districts, the IEP and the 504 and setting up those appointments and all that kind of uh, routine that goes with that can be really stressful. And sometimes we hear from parents who say that schools are making it difficult to get the time scheduled to attend IEP meetings. Now, how important is it for schools to facilitate parental involvement with special education? I have to say it's really funny. The joke, the kind of joke we have amongst ourselves is no, nobody ever calls us when things are going well. Right. So we're kind of experts in crises. You know, nobody ever calls and goes, gosh, Kelly, I just had the best IEP ever. You know, people are calling because they have questions oftentimes in crisis. And so, you know, we're, we're looking for that. When, it, when you talk of, yes, and IEPs are always stressful and intimidating. It's just a hard process. But I think if we think of IEPs as a process, not an event, mm-hmm. sometimes that helps take off some of that um, anxiety that it's not just a Thursday from 2 to 2.45. It can be a process, and that's what we really help parents understand. Um, parent involvement in IEPs, there's the law part of it. You know, there's the compliance part of it that... Mm-hmm. You know, when a student, when a, a, a young per, a student, a person is evaluated, the parent must sign that for, after that first evaluation and process to say, yes, I'm accepting special education support and service. Once they sign that initial, IEPs then, the, the, you know, the rules and regs say IEPs must be held at a mutually convenient time for both parents and school. You know, that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of mushy words there, isn't it? What's a mutually convenient time? Right. You know, so what we always, we always make sure parents, if they get that, when they get the, you know, the invitation to the IEP, if they can't make it, we always tell parents to, you know, say, I'm sorry, unavailable at this time. And we make sure they put in writing the days and times they might be available to be there. Um, you know, I've worked with some really, really creative districts where people um, have IEPs, you know, over the phone or they do it through um, Skype or they have, you know, IEPs for four mornings in a row for a half hour so everybody can be there. Um, some districts, you know, will do flex time. They will hold IEPs after the school day, but, you know, they're bound by teacher contracts and there's, you know, things that are out of our control as parents. And so it's really when you talk about being there and, and, and having parent involvement, it's around really talking with the school and the whole IEP team about when can we get everybody there and in what manner, what does that look like? Because lots of parents can't take off in the middle of the day. You know, the single parents, two working families, you can't take it off um, every time there's an IEP. So, you know, it's really about what can we do to make sure everybody's at that meeting. Now, can a parent mentor from the Michigan Alliance uh, attend the IEP meeting along with the parents who are getting their support? That's an excellent question. Actually, they can't because most of our parent mentors only work 20, 24 hours a week, right. and they are fielding anywhere between five and eight phone calls a day and helping parents with resource and information. They're really there to help support the parent before the process and after the process. They, there's just not enough time in their day to actually go to a meeting. Right. I did direct advocacy before I worked at the Alliance, and it's anywhere between 16 to 20 hours for one family to get them from the beginning of the process to the end. So hopefully what we've put in place with the mentors is to really help parents literally mentor them, help them build their skills, help them feel empowered and ready to go to the IEP. And then afterwards, so that kind of that debrief. So what else do you need to do? What letters might you need to write? 
that kind of thing. In some areas in our state, the, the local art chapters do have um, advocates that would go with them. It really depends on how the um, art chapter and local money is distributed, whether they have a free advocate to go with them or not. If, if there are free advocates, our mentor would know about that. There's also places in the state where there's, there's um, people that are paid advocates, and our mentors would know who those people are. Sometimes the um, United Cerebral Palsy's um, chapters or organizations have um, advocates. Sometimes there's um, um, autism chapters that have advocates, and, you, and our parent mentor would know who those people are. There's also, very honestly, John, there's places in our state where there is no advocate. And so we always tell parents, you know, you don't need to depend on that advocate. You could take your mom, your sister, your husband, your great aunt, you know, your next-door neighbor to go with you to the meeting to help you hear what's going on. Because frequently mm-hmm. as a parent, you know, somebody says something and you're three you're about three sentences behind what they just said about your kid. Right. And so as a parent, you can bring anybody to the IEP that has knowledge of your child. And okay. so, you know, bring, I, I, truthfully, I always brought my aunt and my dad and my husband when he could go. I always brought somebody with me to listen, to say, did I hear that correctly? Or sometimes they would ask questions that they knew I hadn't asked, but they knew it was important. So it's not necessarily having an advocate, um, quote-unquote, but I would always encourage a parent to talk with the mentor to get them prepared for what the process and the questions to ask, and then take somebody with you that, that can help you keep moving forward, keep the process moving forward. Right. That's a great idea because I know sometimes sitting in on those IEP meetings, you're hearing terminology that you've never heard before because it's entirely couched in education and legal terms. And a lot of times you're trying to figure out what they're saying and you don't really know how to question any of it because uh, it's nothing you've ever encountered before. Correct. It's, it's almost a different language. If you don't live in that world, you don't really know what they're talking about. And that's the purpose of our parent mentor, to make sure that they kind of help decode. And then, our, then once you realize what's on that form, if you're looking at an IEP, then what questions would you ask from that? Absolutely. Right, right. Now, what kinds of resources do you offer with the Michigan Alliance on the uh, website for families to get through? Just about anything that you would want. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So just if you went there, um, you know, you could search around. Um, we have form letters if parents are looking to write um, requests for evaluation. We have disability-specific information. Of course, we have a ton of information around IEPs, individual education plans, the components, the pieces of that. We have um, a, a nice section on early on, that birth through three, very specifically tailored to parents and community members around that. We also realize that parents and community members, adults in general, learn in different ways. So we have lots of ways for parents to access information. So we have what are called our webinars, which are one-hour pre-recorded information. Anything in the webinar is also what we call our learning opportunities. So if we, if we had a parent mentor that brought us into the community to talk about individual education plans, whatever that two-hour kind of intense workshop learning opportunity was, you could hear the same information kind of condensed in a webinar. So we know that it's not just, you can't just listen to information one time. It's too complicated. And the other fact is parents of children receiving special education support and service, you know, you're listening for one thing. You might be listening to figure out how do I get accommodations and modifications one time. You get that figured out, and now you're listening to what does extended school year. So lots of ways that parents can access that information. They can find it on their own. 
They can search very specific, very specific topics. We also have the 800 number on the website that if a parent called the 800 number, they would either get the parent mentor that was closest to them or they would get our information referral staff, and they would they're, they are magicians and very um, knowledgeable women who would help them find the resources that they needed. And they could also um, ask a question, you know, info at Michigan Alliance for Families, and they would get an answer for that. So lots of ways parents can access information continuously. Okay. Would you, um, would you recommend that people call the 800 number first to find out what they should be looking for because, or should they just go to the website? Because one of the things that I've noticed is there's a lot of information. Uh, you may not necessarily, if you're new to this, especially, you may not know necessarily what you're looking for. Absolutely. Um, I would say it really depends on how you as a person learn. And so personally, I would always call the eight number, 800 number first and get, get the closest parent mentor or the INR staff and kind of explain what you needed, um, what you were looking for. You don't know what you don't know. And so they might be able to say, oh, you also might need this. They could, if you are a person, um, they could either direct you, you know, send you the links and you could look it up directly. They will also, there's lots of people we recognize don't, um, it, you know, the computer isn't the best way to get information. So if they called the 800 number and wanted information on Cordelia Delaying Syndrome, they would print it off and send it to that parent. So it's, you know, you don't have to necessarily be computer um, savvy to get it, but they, they, we have lots of ways to get it. Send you a link, talk you through it, print the information and give it to you. Lots of ways to get that information. But yeah, I would, personally, I would always call and talk to somebody live first unless you really knew what you were looking for. Right. Right. That's great. Now, how important is early intervention, and uh, what is the appropriate age for a child to start getting services? Sure. The, um, in Michigan, we are the only state in the union that's a birth through 26 states. Wow. Special education supports and services are, start at birth and end at 26. And so in Michigan, we call it early on, and that's birth through, 20, birth through three. Mm-hmm. And their motto is, um, don't worry, but don't wait. So at any, and we're very connected with them. We um, share lots of information. We do lots of their trainings. They help us. You know, we're very connected because when we first started the Alliance, we heard that lots of times when parents, their child turned three, they felt like they kind of were left nowhere. And so we heard them and we'd all had that experience. So we were very well connected with early on to help parents feel like they're, they're, they've got a next step. And I think that's a good motto. Don't worry, but don't wait. If you've got something you're, you're a little, you know, not thinking what's going on, not sure what's happening with your child, absolutely, you would call their 800 number or our 800 number. We would f- help you find it, and you would be then connected both with our mentor and with their and their early on coordinator. And then they would help you um, come in for an evaluation, kind of see what's going on. And then between the early on system and our mentor, they would be able to help figure out what the next step was. Okay, great. Now, what kind of help does the Michigan Alliance offer for children who are transitioning either into college or into adult life after high school? And oh, jobs? you know, isn't that isn't that a thing right there? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole subject. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole, we have webinars, we have learning opportunities, we have our our staff to talk to you. The um the the thing with transition is it is very locally based. It is it looks different in every county in Michigan. Mm -hmm. We provide parents and and community members with that big overview. This is what the schools are supposed to do. This is what community mental health can offer. This is what Department of Human Services can offer. So we we help them figure out 
these are the big supports that might help a student 20, 18 and beyond. Let's just say 18 and beyond, but a conversation could start at, could start at 14. And then how do you start linking into those and what does that look like in your community? And that's where the parent mentor and who they know is so very important because even with community mental health, depending on what county you live in, it might not be called community mental health. It might be called lighthouse support. And so it's really important that we, you know, that we help each other figure out what does that look like at that local level, and transition is, is really that piece. And so we try to help from the big picture down to the, the smaller picture. We also really try to connect parents with each other all the time, but in transition in particularly, because um, it, there's not many, there's, when you think about the population of children who receive special education support and service, from 18 to 26, it is even a smaller population in any given county. And so really helping parents connect and then figure out how do we make it as individual for each student so that they can have the best outcomes they can. Yeah, so kind of customizing it based on uh, the situation is probably uh, the best way to go with all that. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. We, there's some constraints around, you know, that, that kind of kindergarten through 12th grade because, you know, the day is, you know, 8 to 3 and there's a curriculum to follow. So there's a little bit more structure in that kind of K-12 education, more like, you know, rules to follow. Once you get, you know, after high school, it is really very much around an individual education plan. Right. And of course, um, you know, the thing is, a lot of people forget that once a child graduates high school, they have to advocate for themselves. They, uh, yeah, the parents actually, I've I've been told this by many uh, kids who were special education and receiving support in college, and the college expects the child to do all their own advocation. They will not talk to parents. Well, it's an, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting um, piece, I guess. That is true, you know, that that is true that at 18, um, a young person with an identified disability that goes either to the workplace or to school or onto um, supports and services, they're their own person. And so it is around, I think people get kind of like, you know, that they won't talk to them. Well, the fact is that it's just like any other adult relationship. Mm-hmm. If I said to my mom, I want you to come to the doctor with me to help listen, and it, she agreed and I agreed, then she could. Right. So the same thing when about college. If if the student and the parent have a good relationship, and the student says, "I would like to have Kelly Arjinsky, my mom, listen or come," they can. It does have to be initiated by the student, but it's not. You can, a parent can't call and say, "Well, I want to schedule my student for classes." No, you mm-hmm. get that they're eighteen. But if the student said, "Hey, mom, will you help me schedule my classes? Come in and talk to with me when I go to meet the counselor. Will you come with me?" If they have a relationship, the parent can go there. So it's not, it's, I think there's kind of a a little bit of an, people, how do you work the system? Well, you can bring another adult with you. You and I could bring anybody we wanted. So you can certainly bring your parent to do that. Right. Okay. That's good to clarify. (laughs) Yeah, because the fact is, the other thing is, any 18-year-old, with or without a disability, that first step into the adult world, whether it's school or work, you need support. Right. None of my kids do it. I've got four sons, and all of them needed a little bit of support about how to get around systems and when to make phone calls and what questions do you ask. So, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that um, a, a, a student with a disability who might not have had an, that experience is just going to do it on their own. You'd be setting them up to fail. Right, right, right. So that, that's good to clarify that because, you know, they do, the people do have that uh, perception out there. Yes, they that's do. Right. I, I, we hear it quite a bit, and so... 
hopefully we can, we've done a little bit about you know it's not it's not that hardcore it's a, it's about adult relationships right right that's good now if a parent in Michigan wants to make an appointment with a parent mentor from the Michigan Alliance should they contact one out of your directory online or should they send an email first or call the office first or what's the best approach there sure really the if if they have computer access the best way is to go to click on the county they're in and contact that parent mentor directly that would oh, okay. be the, the easiest way to do it. On the other hand, if computers are not the way that you access information, if they called the 800 number, they would be geo-routed to that parent mentor in their community. It's, you know, done by um, area code. If for some reason a parent got geo-routed to the wrong parent mentor, they would directly hook them up with the correct person in their local community. So that's, you know, either going to the website or calling that number will get you the person closest to where you live. Right. Right, that's good. And I know you have that map on the website that's great. You just click on there and it tells you exactly who is your parent mentor for your local area. And that's that's the best way to do it. But, you know, we recognize lots of people, computers aren't really always the way they access information. Right, right. Now, we have a lot of listeners around the United States, not just in Michigan. And are there other similar organizations in other states around the country as far as that goes? Yep. So every state has what's called a Parent Training and Information Center, a a PTAC, PTAC, you know, but it's a Parent Training and Information Center. And we happen to be called the Mission Alliance for Families, but you could could, um, Google Kansas Parent um, Training Information Center and find it. You could, Missouri has one. The Parent Training Information Centers, in the way I'm speaking of them, are all federal Parent Training Information Centers. So, So every state has one. Some states have two Parent Training Information Centers. And so you would just Google your state and put that in, and those are federally funded. We're not, there are other states that have both state and federal funds. We happen to be both the state and the federal um, Parent Training Information Center. I would always look for your your federal one first, Mm -hmm. because they would then know who the state one is. But every state has a Parent Training Information Center. Okay. Well, that's great. All right. And then, uh, finally, I guess, what would you say to parents who are struggling and they're having difficulties trying to figure out what the best special education support is for their children, and uh, what where should they where should they go? What should they do? Sure, it always starts with the child's the, the child's needs. What does the child need? What do they need within school? What do they need out of school? And talk, being able to talk with your aunt, your significant other, um, your your sister about what the child's needs are. And it's not about a need of more. Um, speech therapy. It's about a need being able to have reciprocal conversations with a peer, being able to talk on topic with a peer. It might be being able to sit still in order, sit still long enough to be able to access the information. So talking about what does that look like, it doesn't have to be in educational language. The first place is to talk about what the student's needs are, what's happening in school, and what a parent thinks that support is. And so being able to really figure out, prioritize what they think the need is, is really the first step. And then I would always say call your local parent mentor or get a hold of our INR staff to kind of talk through what does that look like. You know, what is the needs? What are the supports? What are some local resources? Where does that need fit into the IEP? Is it part of the present level of academic achievement? Or is it an accommodation and modification to really be able to enter into a conversation about what those child's needs are? And our parent mentors are really the people to help parents figure that out. They're there for the long run. It's a it's an ongoing relationship with um, between parent and parent mentors because we know it's not just a one-time um, 
stop and shop, that we know that as a child develops and grows and learns, that different things, different supports and services are often needed for students. And so we want to, the Michigan Alliance, we want to we be there to support um, the parents through that process from, in Michigan, it could be from birth to 26. My thanks again to Kelly Urginski for taking the time to talk to us about the Michigan Alliance for Families and all the services they provide. We have links to their website and other websites for parent training and information centers on the page for this podcast episode at specialparentsconfidential.com. A reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any other episode we've done, please be sure to share them on your favorite social media sites. We have social media buttons on our website that make it easy for you to click and share with all your posts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.